Hello and welcome to And Let's Be Heard for Friday, November 25th, 2022. I'm Mike Cachopoli. All right, here we are. Day after Thanksgiving. It's like a hangover day. I mean, I feel hungover and I didn't even eat turkey. I ate lasagna. So I don't know what my excuse is. You know, usually the excuse for the hangover the day after Thanksgiving is turkey, right? The tryptophan. And it makes you very tired. And people overeat. I don't think I ever ate. I just ate some lasagna and a little dessert. And that was the end of it. So I probably ate less than most people uh, yesterday. And yet here I am with a post-Thanksgiving hangover. Now I know why people take off Thursday and Friday. Not just Thursday. Because it's very tough. It's very tough to work on Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. So those four-day weekends are, are certainly worth it. But here we are. Who, who, who makes up my schedule? Hey, find out who makes up my schedule. We need a scheduling change next year because I shouldn't be working today. Anyway, here I am. Here I am working today, doing a Friday show. Um, and I think, I think the first thing I really want to talk about is this idea now of everything, everything having to be canceled, everything. We can't have anything anymore. Why don't we just cancel the world, cancel everybody, cancel everything? Because that seems to be the way things are going now. We've talked many times in this show about wokeness, right, about being woke. And how that, how, how wokeness really, if you really want to think about it, wokeness really uh squeezes the fun out of everything. We can no longer have fun anymore. Now, part of the wokeness, which is so terrible, is, and the cancel culture that comes from it is the idea where you can't have, you can't do comedy anymore. We talk about comedians, right? Not being able to do comedy. Everything is taboo. You can't make fun of any one group. You can't make fun of any group. You can't make fun of anybody. I can only imagine how the people of today, these snowflakes who are so woke, would have handled Don Rickles. I guess Don Rickles never would have been. I guess that's just the way it was. Right? It would be. Don Rickles just would not exist today. Because Rickles, of course, went after everybody and everything. There was nothing that was taboo for Don Rickles. There was no group that he could not go after. Nothing. And he went after all groups with reckless abandon. Jews and blacks and gays and everyone. Everyone. And he was hilarious, absolutely hilarious, because this is the thing. When, when, when you're talking about comedy, when you're talking about humor, you absolutely must, absolutely must leave your, I didn't want to say morals or ethics, but leave your, uh, your issues at the door. When you go see, when you go see a comedian, when you go see a person, when you go see a stand-up comic, the whole idea is, is they're going to probably make fun of you. Especially if you're sitting close by. That's why a lot of people don't like to sit in the front rows when it comes to stand-up comedy and such, because they, they can be made fun of. But that's, goes along. It's part, it's part of the course. Okay. It's called having a, it's called having a sense of humor. It's called having, some self-deprecating sense of humor, being able to make fun of yourself. And that's been totally lost. And with that comes a loss of humor, 
comes a loss of comedy, comes a loss of entertainment, comes a loss of just being able to go out there and have fun. Just go out there and have fun. Enjoy life. Why so serious? Why is everything so serious all the time? So, staying on this track of cancel culture and wokeness, we have the Thanksgiving holiday. And the whole idea, really, of the Thanksgiving holiday is not so much to honor pilgrims or honor people who supposedly discovered our country or founded our country or anything like that. But the idea is to give thanks for what you have now. Give thanks for what you have now, right? It could be health. It could be family. It could be whatever. It could be the fact that you're able to have food on your table. So that's the whole, that's the whole idea around Thanksgiving. That's what people really celebrated yesterday, whether they, whether they know it or not. That's what they celebrated yesterday. Yet you have someone like Joy Reid. I mean, Joy Reid is a, is a despicable, absolutely despicable individual. She's disgusting in every which way. And now she's talking about the idea of canceling Thanksgiving, of giving pause, giving pause when it comes to celebrating Thanksgiving and the reasons we celebrate Thanksgiving. But the reasons we celebrate Thanksgiving are exactly what I just said. Exactly what I just said. It's really as simplistic as appreciating what we have right in front of us right now, not even talking about histories of centuries ago, all right, centuries of history. We don't even need to go there. We just need to be able to appreciate what we have right now. But as I've talked about on this show many times over the last year, the left just can't seem to enjoy life, have fun, have a sense of humor, the left has to make everything an issue, everything a drama, everything about race. And that's what Joy Reid does on a daily basis. She makes every single thing about race. Now, there are several reasons for this. One, it sells. Racism sells. And people at MSNBC know this. So that's one reason they do it, because it sells. Another reason is it, it allows them to put every real issue on the side, on the back burner, and have this incredibly uh, uh, self-righteous virtue signaling issue that they have called racism. In which they enlighten us, they enlighten us on how race is involved in everything, and everything comes down to race. Everything only comes down to race if you want to make it come down to race, which the people at MSNBC, as people like Joy Reid, want it to come down to race. Which makes the left the true racists. 
because everything is about, if everything's about race, you are a racist. If everything's about race, you're a racist. Like a, 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 someone who opposes the racism, let's say the pre-civil rights racism of uh, you're black, I don't like you because you're black. I'm making your existence about race. I'm not seeing you as just a person. I'm not seeing you as you might be a cop. I'm a teacher, uh, whoever you may be. I'm not an athlete. I'm not seeing what you are. I'm just seeing your race. You're black. So that was racism. Everything's about a person's race. Oh, but they're a good person, but they're a kind person, but they're a good teacher. No, I don't care. I don't like them because they're black whether people would admit that or not. That was the reason. So that's racism. So when you make everything about race, you're a racist. And that's what Joy Reid does. That's what they all do over at MSNBC, CNN to a lesser degree, but also. And the left has done this forever. The Democrats have done this forever. Everything is about race. Everything. And even Thanksgiving. Even Thanksgiving is about race. It's about how we have oppressed people. We have to remember we're the oppressors. We are the oppressors. We oppress. And it's very simple that when you make everything about race, when you make everything that ridiculously simple-minded, simplistic, you're stripping away everything that is good. Like I said, if you're making, if, if you don't like someone because they are a certain race, you're taking, you're stripping away everything that's good, everything that's human about that person and just coming down, making it all about their color, their race. Now, that's what Joy Reid just did with Thanksgiving. Not understanding. Not understanding what the true reason for Thanksgiving is. To be thankful for what we have. To be thankful for one another, regardless of, uh, of race. And it's just, it, it's, it's a real shame that, it's, it's a real shame that it has to come down to this all the time. It really does. But, when you sell race, you're basically doing it, like I say, because, you know, race sells. It gets people to watch. And it also causes strife. It causes anxiety. It causes tension. And this is exactly what many people on the right have said about people on the left for a long time now, that this whole idea of everything coming down to rate, you're trying to cause a rift. You can't just say it's Thanksgiving, let's all get along, let's be thankful for what we have, let's be thankful for one another. No, that's not good enough. That doesn't cause a rift. That doesn't cause tension. And so when you're constantly doing these things, when you're constantly making everything about race, everything about oppression, one group oppressing the other. You're causing a tension in society that leads to things like the George Floyd riots. 
The left likes to fabricate and say that the right does things that causes people to shoot other people, which is absolutely bat crap crazy bullshit. Because as we're learning, a lot of these shooters are, are left wingers or are, 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 are into, are, are into gender fluid or into pronouns. They're not right wingers at all. They're not right wingers at all. It is the constant creation of tension, of anxiety, of hatred towards another by making, making everything about race that causes a lot of these problems. It is the left that is responsible for a lot of these problems. Now, I wouldn't even see the left as responsible for these shootings, because like I said, these shooters are all varieties, and the most important thing that connects them is, is they're, they're kind of crazy. These people don't know how to deal with their uh, empty lives, with their flawed lives, so they lash out against other people. But it doesn't help. When you constantly create this tension, when you make everything about, I got to hate you, you got to hate me. We can't just have a day here and there where we just fucking eat turkey, stuff our faces with food, drink beer, watch football, and peacefully fall asleep. That's, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. First of all, it's boring, right? It doesn't sell. And... Also, it doesn't create this tension that the left is constantly trying to create. They are not enlightening. They are not alleviating anything. They are creating more and more angst and anxiety and hatred. And this is what they continue to do on a daily basis. And it gets more and more absurd, right? It gets more and more absurd. I mean, they, they, they look in every nook and cranny to find something, right? To find something, right? It was Columbus Day. There's Christopher Columbus. There's Thanksgiving. There's Christmas. There's, you know, even New Year's. And there's Veterans Day. You know, everything, every day, they find a reason to make it about race. To make it about you versus me. And this is um, a real problem. It's a real problem because these people have a voice and they really shouldn't have a voice. They should not be given a voice. What is it with, you know, someone just broke, what, what is it with the joys? Joy Reed, Joy Behar. Why are joys so joyless? Just an interesting ob observation. But, once again, they're in a business where they want to get viewers. They're in a business where they want to put out tweets that get attention, so they get attention, so their outlets get attention. And that's where we are right now. Not just cancel a person, not just cancel an idea, but to cancel an entire holiday. Cancel an entire house. Before you eat that turkey, uh, let's let's get some agita, right? Get some heartburn going before you eat that turkey. Speaking of Joy, why does her hair change every single day? I got in trouble not too long ago, a couple of years ago, for making fun of a black woman's hair. 
I probably shouldn't do it again, or maybe I should. Maybe I need some cheap hits, <laughs> cheap views. But her hair does change every day. I mean, every time I see a clip of her, I don't watch the show. But every time I see a clip of her, she has a different hairdo. I, I don't understand that. I don't. I don't get it. I don't get it. It might be something to that, but I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's a thing she has going, and I don't watch the show enough to know it. But it's it's just a very odd thing that her hair never seems. It seems like, at least over the course of a year, she has two hundred different hairdos, two hundred different hairstyles. So I don't I don't know what it is with with Joy Reid with her hair, but um, but I think it's uh, of note of note. It, I think it just it it's just once again I think it's a person who's trying to just uh, get as much attention as possible. And I guess if you change, look, it worked, right? I'm talking about her hair. Gives a shit about Joy Reid's hair, but it worked, right? So if you have a different hairdo every day and you're constantly talking about race, right? You're constantly taking note, have people take notice of you. I guess that's what she wants. I guess, it doesn't matter if it causes, like I said, this constant tension in society. Okay? This constant, constant tension, this constant, I gotta hate you because you're a different race. I have to, uh, you know, I, ha I have to uh, feel... Uh, negatively towards you because you're of a different race. I guess that that that's a real dangerous thing. That's the real dangerous thing. Because we live in a world now where really very few things are actually really we're talking about real news about race. People have like Joy Reid have to make everything about race. But Thanksgiving is certainly not a day about race. It has nothing to do with race. It has to do with being thankful for what you got. Whether you're white, whether you're black, whether you're Latino, gay, straight, whatever it is, it's about being thankful for what you have. Something that seems to have gone over the hair of Joy Reid. By the way, she wasn't always, Joy Reid, when she was doing fill-in work, when she had her weekend show, it wasn't all about race, by the way. I know people who watch MSNBC a lot more than I ever did, and they've brought up that fact that it, her shows didn't become about race till she got a five-day-a-week gig. Maybe she got to fill airtime with race, but everything became much more about race once she started to make more money there and started to have a five-day-a-week show. So that's a that's an interesting thing, I think, to, put, to point out. But I hope most of you had a, a very happy Thanksgiving and more in thinking about race and uh, oppression And hundreds of years ago. She said something really ridiculous, which is like our, our idea of thanks. Our, our idea of Thanksgiving is like based on a, a false thing, a, a fabrication. No, thanks. Having thanks for what you have and for the people around you is not a fabrication. It's the it's the very definition of real. To not be able to understand this. To not be able to understand this really is just beyond my comprehension. And speaking, since we're on Joy Reid and MSNBC, um, I want to go back to something, and I'll play a clip of this. This is very fast. This is a woman who works one day a I, I don't understand how this woman named Rachel Maddow. Now 
got a gig where she works basically one day per week now, does some maybe specials in between, and makes about 30 to $40 million a year, okay? But that's this is the case. That is the case. It really shows when you've got your boss by the, uh, well, her boss doesn't have those. She's it's a woman now, but somehow there's some kind of a thing there where uh, why anyone would write a contract, maybe I'm missing something, to give someone 30 or $40 million a year for working one day a week is beyond my comprehension. Do they think her name, her brand of Rachel Maddow, I think she's like eighth. I think she's like eighth in shows, ratings. I, mean, I, I, don't, I don't understand why that kind of contract will be written, but who knows? Who knows? Some would say good for her. I don't. I think it's very bad for this world when someone can make that kind of money for working one day a week. Now we know that vaccinated Americans, by the way, before I play this, Rachel, Matt, this is about this is the MSNBC uh, uh, clarion call of how unvaccinated people are evil and disgusting and that they were certainly pushing the first year, at least, of the vaccines. And, but now we know that vaccinated Americans make up the majority, six out of every 10 COVID deaths. That's what we know now. So we know this is no longer a pandemic of the unvaccinated, never was. It's really, as it always has been, as you've heard me and others say on this show, it's always been a pandemic of the elderly, the obese, and the diabetic. Always, from day one. But if anything, it has not been a, a pandemic of the unvaccinated. In fact, it's quite the opposite. It's really a pandemic now of the vaccinated. But like I said, whether vaccinated or unvaccinated, it's really been a pandemic of the elderly, the obese, those with pre-existing medical conditions like, like diabetes. Um, but of course, the left had to push the false narrative that it was all about vaccinations, right? And if you were unvaccinated, you were a Trumper, Trumpy Trumper, fake news lover, tinfoil hat wearing, conspiracy theorist, nut job. And this is what, so this is, this is, this is, this is uh, what Rachel Maddow said. I forgot exactly when she said this, but it was in that period of time of the early days of the vaccinations when they were so sure that the vaccines were going to stop the spread of COVID and end COVID in its tracks. If only, if only we all got it. Now we know that the vaccines work well enough that the virus stops with every vaccinated person. A vaccinated person gets exposed to the virus. The virus does not infect them. The virus cannot then use that person to go anywhere else. It cannot use a vaccinated person as a host to go get more people. Now we- now, Does she ever apologize? So she makes $30 million after that? She, makes, she still makes $30 million. In fact, she makes more now. And works less than she did then. So her reward for saying something so absolutely fucking stupid. She said, we now know the vaccine worked. We never knew that. The vaccine never do what she, what she just said the vaccine does. It never did. She made that up. That is the definition of fake news. 
That's the definition of fake news. Remember, if you talk about fake news, you got Rachel Maddow on MSNBC, you got Russia disinformation, you got COVID disinformation, you got vaccine disinformation, and she makes 30 million a year. Enemy of the people. Enemy of the people. 100%. When you lie like that to millions of people and they're stupid enough to believe you, you are an enemy of the people. You are spreading lies. When you spread lies around society, you are an enemy of the people. That's fake news. And they knew it was fake news because there was no evidence that the vaccines worked. Not for a minute to stop the spread. Not for a minute. Did she ever apologize for that? Did MSNBC ever apologize for that? Of course not. But she spent four years pushing Russia disinformation. Four years pushing Russia disinformation, which they never apologized for either. They never apologize for anything. They just keep lying and lying and lying and lying and lying. And going on to the next lie. As though they didn't just tell one. It's just absolutely stunning. Truly stunning. Now, when you make a statement that fucking dumb, that was that false. That's like saying the sky is yellow. Her statement about vaccinations is just like saying, now that we know the sky is yellow. It's that kind of a lie. Why would anyone ever believe anything they say? Okay. This is why when they say that Paul Pelosi was attacked by someone he didn't know who wanted to break his kneecaps and break Nancy's kneecaps. And it's just that simple. Why should we believe them? When they say Donald Trump did this wrong, Donald Trump did that wrong, Donald Trump did this, why should we believe them? I want someone to find me Something that was said on Fox News that was as wrong as what Rachel Maddow just said. That clip I just played about vaccines. I dare you. I double dare you. I triple dare you. I quadruple dare you to find me something as false as that. You can't. So. I don't want to hear about faux news. I don't want to hear about the, any kind of false equivalencies. Yes, they do it at MSNBC. Yeah, they do it at Fox. No, actually, they don't. In fact, one of the reasons why I started watching Fox, I rarely watch Fox before 2020. One of the reasons I started watching Fox so much is because they were the only ones who weren't lying about COVID and vaccines. They were the only ones who would get some truth about COVID and vaccines. It's not like you went there. And they told the whole honest truth about vaccines. They never really had people on saying they were bad for you. 
or you shouldn't take them or they're going to cause death and destruction as they should have. But at least they weren't constantly pushing this narrative of lockdowns and masking and vaccine mandates and school closures. And they were talking about how those things were bad, that we maybe shouldn't be doing those things, you think? So that's why I started watching Fox News. Like I said, there's not one thing that was ever said on Fox News by someone who works at Fox News. I'm not talking about a politician. I'm not talking about Donald Trump. Someone who works at Fox News, an anchor, uh, someone who, who, who hosts a show. That's as false as what Rachel Maddow said in that clip about vaccines. In fact, the reason why you can't find that is because the actual truth was the actual opposite of what Rachel Maddow said. The, the actual truth is the opposite of what Rachel Maddow just said. What should have been said is now that we know the vaccines don't stop the spread, there should be no vaccine mandates and no one should be forced to, to get a vaccine. In fact, I advise you against getting a vaccine. That, that, that's the actual truth. That's what should have been said. She said the opposite of that. The opposite of that. As vaccinated people get COVID two, three, four times, and 60% of the deaths now are vaccinated people. I think MSNBC and Rachel, Rachel Maddow, who, who makes $30 million a year, should be sued. Evidently, she can afford a lawsuit. And MSNBC, because they pay her all that money to work one day a week, can certainly afford the lawsuit. People should be suing MSNBC, saying they got the vaccine because of what Rachel Maddow just said, which was fake news. It wasn't real. It was a lie. Anyone who's gotten that vaccine, who, especially anyone who's gotten that vaccine who has had negative side effects to this point or does in the future, should be suing Rachel Maddow and MSNBC for disinformation. Because Rachel Maddow and MSNBC, her employer, said, if I get that vaccine, I can't get COVID and I can't give it to anybody else, which is a bold-faced fucking lie bold faced fucking lie and they should be sued for it class action lawsuit I say do we know any lawyers I think we know plenty of lawyers don't we I'm glad there are more people commenting about this. No, Rachel Maddow never did apologize for speaking so definitively about. And that, that's a, that's isn't that the truth about these people with these COVID lies? They don't just say it like it might be the truth, but we hope it's the truth. It was so, it's always so definitive, right? It's always so definitive. If we lock down for 30 days, it'll go away. If we wear masks, it'll go away. If you get the vaccines, it'll go away. They speak so fucking definitively that fuck Fauci never once said, well, it's a 50-50 shot here, 60-40, 80-20, we're not too sure, it might change. Never once was there any doubt in the mind of that fucked up, shriveled up old elf that what he was saying may not be true. Everything was so fucking definitive. Like, a, the, 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 like the word from the Lord, the word from Jesus, the word from God. 
I think that's what annoys me the most. The definitiveness of their lies. Their, the definitiveness of their, of their disinformation. We also now know from the depositions that are going on, of course, these aren't public, the ones in January will be, that Fauci sent his friend to China in February of 2020 to see what they were doing as the vaccine, remember, as the vaccine, as the COVID was spreading, remember, COVID was hitting there before here. And that they came back and said, well, we need to do what they do, which is lockdowns. And so basically, we now know that Tony Fauci said, do what the communists in China are doing. Do what the commies are doing. That's what we want. We want to do what the commies in China are doing. We want to do what the authoritarians in China are doing, where there isn't even a fair election there. We talk about fair elections here so much. The left, the left is so in love with fair elections. But they're also in love with the commies in China, the authoritarians that have fake elections. Um, he said, do it that way. And now he says he was never for lockdowns. Meanwhile, he's the reason why we had lockdowns, because he sent a friend to China, and the guy came back and said, we need to do lockdowns, and they did lockdowns. Although Fauci says now he had nothing to do with lockdowns. Jay Bhattacharya says, the great, Bla- the great Barrington Declaration posed an enormous problem for Tony Fauci in that it exposed to the world the lie that there was a scientific consensus in favor of Fauci's favored lockdowns. Bad form for him to try to pretend now he was unconcerned about it. In his deposition, he said he was unconcerned. He hadn't, he hadn't time to worry about things. This is the great Fauci, the great arrogance of Fauci. I had no time to worry about other scientific ideas. I had no time to worry about what other doctors were thinking. I am science. Oh, what's God, what a fucking evil bastard. Chuck him across the Potomac. But make sure you, you, you don't put enough into it so he falls in and never comes out again. There's a lot going on in this deposition, by the way. Like I said, this one isn't public. This isn't Congress. In January, this will be in front of Congress. Yeah. Fauci's email to Burks on October 16th of 2020 said, I have come out very strongly against the Great Barrington Declaration. Yeah, Janine Younes writes, one of my favorite quotes from Fauci's deposition, I have a very busy day, buried, I have a very busy day job running a $6 billion institute. I don't have time to worry about things like the Great Barrington Declaration. Running a, running a $6 billion, imagine, 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 imagine putting a guy like that, putting a guy like that in that position where he runs a $6 billion institute really shows you how fucked up this government is. How fucked up this country is to put someone like Tony Fauci, six billion dollars, and he runs it. Phil Holloway says the plaintiffs and their lawyers won this lawsuit today. Fauci was the best witness the plaintiffs could have asked for. His massive ego, propensity to avoid answering direct questions, and that he gets his dander up when anyone dares to challenge him makes for a great cross-exam 
and it will be wonderful to watch. I'm going to get my popcorn and I'm going to get my Dr. Pepper and I'm going to get my jujubes and I'm going to get my bonbons. And I'm going to enjoy in January watching him sweat as the Republican run Congress grills him. Yeah, his emails are clinching their case. His emails are basically saying that they were so bent out of shape over the Great Barrington Declaration, they conspired to slander and lie. That's what they're doing. They, sland- they, they, they conspired to slander and lie people who had a different point of view, like Jay Bhattacharya and those who made up the Great Barrington Declaration. They conspired with the government, they conspired with the White House, they conspired with social media, they conspired with Facebook, they conspired with Twitter to defame these people so no one would take them seriously. That's what they did. These crimes against humanity are are basically some of the worst we've seen in our lifetime. These crimes against humanity are certainly the worst since the Holocaust. I say it again, the Holocaust, Hitler, the Holocaust, Hitler. So that's what, 80 years, right? The worst in 80 years. And we're only seeing the vanguard now, the vanguard of how bad these policies were. The vanguard of how awful these policies were, how they destroyed. Now they're coming out and saying things like, well, this uh, RSV in children is, is probably due to the, it's probably due to COVID, you know, and I like the way they say it so casually. It's probably due to COVID and, you know, lockdowns and the kids not going out and wearing masks. And, yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, what does is, what is, what is Tony Fauci like to call it? collateral damage? Collateral damage? No, no, no. It was, it's purposeful damage. It's, it's damage we said was going to happen. You see, we warned them. This is going to happen. Or they talk about it so casually. Yeah, well, you know, lockdowns and masks and kids not going to school. And Even though we made that we made that point from day one. And they're acting as though, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Shit happens. Slam those jail cells. I want, I want to hear that jail cell door slamming. Like when I went to Alcatraz and they and they did the demonstration of the of the of the jail cells slamming. That sound, I can't wait to hear it. Can't wait to hear it. There's some good news. Alberta, Canada has banned mask mandates in schools. That's great. That's that's a good step. Of course, Alberta is like the Texas of Canada. It's the most conservative uh, province in Canada. But hey, it's a start, right? It's a start. And we're finding that these are the things we're going to have to do. We're going to have to start like... Banning, we got to start having laws that ban these things so these politicians can't use them anymore. They can't go into their grab bag of authoritarianism and use this stuff in the future anymore. Here's a reminder. Here's a reminder, and I've been spraying this around Twitter, of how truly dumb, how truly Neanderthal California was. Other states as well, but these these are the California... This is from California from Thanksgiving of 2020. Showing what a true moron the hair gel king is and how worthless his Department of Health is. These are the guidelines from 
Thanksgiving of 2020 in California. Does anyone remember this? No more than three households are allowed to be present. Parties no longer than two hours long. Guests must stay outside and you must avoid singing, chanting and shouting. Now, we know none of those four things had anything to do with COVID and the spread of COVID. Doesn't matter how many households were there. Doesn't matter how long the party was there. COVID doesn't care if the party's an hour or three hours. COVID doesn't care if there are two households or four households. COVID doesn't care if you stayed outside or inside. And COVID didn't care if you were singing, chanting, or shouting, or talking silently, or whispering. These fucking idiots. These fucking morons. And people followed this horse shit. This is the California Department of Public Health in November, two years ago. Two years ago. You tell me these people shouldn't be like publicly publicly denounced, publicly chided, publicly punished. You know what I'm getting at, right? These are the these are the worst scumbags in the world. They are. These are the worst scumbags in the world. And the people who follow them aren't much better. But look, there are some naive people out there. There's a lot of naivete in this country, in this state, in this city, in this town. And they follow these things. They think, well, these are the people. These are the people we 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 uh, elected. These are the people who are in office. These are the people. These are public health officials. These are doctors. They know better than me. This is their mindset. I'm trying to get into their mindset. So I'm just going to listen to them, right? Because they know best. And so they follow these ridiculous, these ridiculous, me, uh, medieval, non-science-based guidelines. Uh, Daniel, how was your Thanksgiving, Daniel? Hey, it's pretty good. How was yours? Okay, it was quiet. It was quiet. Yeah. I, I can't get into all that eating. You know, I just, I just, I can't do it anymore. I just don't want to do it. Yeah, yeah. Um... <clears throat> There's, a, there's, 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 there was way too much food at, at my mom's. <laughs> oh, there you go. Well, that's good, though. It's good. Yeah. And, 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 typ- and typical mom behavior, you know, they're, they're always pushing more food on you. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to do your best to, re- to resist. And speaking of, uh, of uh, Thanksgiving and resisting, um, uh, Joy Reid um, would do very well to mi- miss a, a few meals more than uh, Thanksgiving itself. But you've got a lot of meals that now need to be missed. Yes, a lot of meals need to be missed, and you know maybe she can, uh, maybe she can skip the hairstylist one day. She doesn't have to go to the hairstylist five days a week for a different hairdo. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Hey, when you got money to burn, when you got money to burn, when you're making millions of dollars a year to lie, eh, you might as well get your hair done five days a week, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, I would really like to, to hear uh, someone like Rachel Maddow come out and just admit that they were bold faced lying. Um, that this it was such an egregious lie, and, and for her to have let that hang for this long just shows what kind of character she has as a human right. being, as a as a human being, as a, as a as a as a sibling, a child, a, a mother. I think she might be a mother. Um, she, she's just it's it's just despicable, just right. despicable beyond words to let that hang. Right, absolutely. You know, I, I just read, uh, um, I, was, I was Googling some information um, and 
um, haphazardly came across a um, AARP page written in 2020 about 10 myths of uh, COVID, va COVID vaccines. Every single one of them were, were bullshit. The only one, except, except for ones that nobody ever said, like nobody, nobody except for false flags that were planted on, on Twitter and, and YouTube and Facebook and elsewhere to make people that were resisting vaccination look stupid, like they're going to put a microchip in it and your arm is going to get magnetized. And, <laughs> and, and, and you know, and, and we're just absolutely ridiculous crap like that. You know, nobody, I know so many people that resist to get this vaccine. No one said anything stupid like that. No one ever, no one ever thought about injecting bleach into their arms or they tried to, tried to, to accuse a Trump of suggesting. I mean, it was, it was so many false flags that were planted with respect to vaccination resistance that it was just, it was just, it was just hideous, just grotesque. I mean, in, there's a lot of interesting uh, seem to, um, to, to people that I know and have met. Um, I've seen them posting a lot of interesting things about interactions they've had over Thanksgiving, dip, Thanksgiving dinner with members of their families that um, are, 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 are still um, siding with uh, vaccine, vaccination forcing and coercion. And um, it's just amazing that that we're this far into this, and and people, you know, they just haven't, they just don't know some of the basic facts. Like they just don't know that, uh, which you were just talking about with respect to Maddow, that it just does not prevent transmission and infection. So many people still do not know this, and what's more, there are lots of people out there that think that this vac these vaccines saved a lot of lives. They didn't, and they couldn't. We know. For it is such solid, there's such solid evidence that naturally acquired immunity to SARS-CoV-2 is superior to um, that received from the SARS-CoV-2 vaccinations. It is, it's just, there's just no question. It's Daniel, Daniel I'll, I'll, I'll let you talk in a second. Any, any, any reason why COVID is weakening is due to nature, natural immunity and the natural weakening of the virus. And the strains. That's it. It's all nature. It has nothing to do with vaccines. It has nothing to do with masking. It has nothing to do with lockdowns. Nothing to do with six feet or three feet. It has everything to do with nature, natural immunity, and the natural weakening of the virus. As you had, as you said, two years ago, eighteen to twenty-four months, right? You said that. This way, yeah, way back, quite. You know, I don't, I don't remember the exact date where we talked about this, and and the um, anticipated, even even before anyone a lot of data on uh, what we should expect for the longevity of a SARS-CoV-2 uh, immunity. Um, everyone expected about two years because that's what every other coronavirus had is about two years. And lo and behold, that's what, that's what you get from acquired adaptive natural immunity, about two years. And it's far, far, far superior to the vaccination, which at this point, this is one of the points I wanted to get to. We are, there's lots of uh, articles that have been written, published articles that have been written in scientific journals that have, that have shown, that are showing presently that a few months after vaccination, you are into negative vaccine effectancy, effectiveness. Mm -hmm. Negative vaccine effectiveness, meaning you are more likely to get severe disease, to have hospitalization, and have the infection itself if you have had a vaccination as opposed to not had the vaccination. 
Right. And, 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 on, and on top of this, I mean, this is the thing I, was, one thing I just wanted to get to was um, anybody that argues with you that vaccine, these vaccines save lives just simply do not know what they're talking about. It's a very simple calculation that could be done um, and, and to estimate uh, um, uh, how many people were uh, already had this far superior natural immunity by the time the vaccines were rolled out to any great extent. By, by April, late April of 2021, we probably had around 20% of the population was vaccinated to SARS-CoV-2. Right. By, by that time, 600,000 people had deaths attributed to, to COVID uh, from the CDC estimates. And of course, these are just grossly overestimated estimates, but it actually doesn't matter to this calculation. Um, all you have to do is divide that 600,000 by the infection fatality rate, which we now know is approximately 0 0.002, and you come up with 300 million. That is 90% of the U.S. population had already had naturally acquired immunity, which is far superior to the vaccine, by the time 20% of people were vaccinated. It is absolutely impossible for anyone to entertain the idea that these vaccines saved any lives really at all. Maybe, maybe a couple, maybe a handful, who knows? Um, but now, and maybe they saved a couple up to maybe about six months ago, but now with negative vaccine efficacy, it's costing life. And in the net, we are going to learn, and this is my rule number three, uh, vaccines are for endemic disease, not pandemic disease. Um, we are going to learn that these vaccines cause more deaths than the, than. Well, but, than the, but Daniel, the more people died of COVID under Biden than Trump. More people died of COVID in 2021, 2022 under vaccines than before the we vaccine. Have to be, yeah, we always have to care, be careful dealing with um, uh, with um, absolute numbers. Rates rates are far more important, and we are going to learn eventually that um, you, that you are far better off simply not getting this vaccination. Um, I, I had said at the, at the time when I wrote down those four rules, which I keep harping on, that there are a number of reasons for um, for not vaccinating during the pan pandemic. If you can, the two of the big reasons are you simply can't produce a vaccine fast, fast enough to be sure that it's safe and effective and is going to be remain, remain, remain safe and effective. And there's something called original antigenic sin, where people, they that their immune systems remember that first antigenic exposure, that is exposure to the first type of strain that they're exposed to. And the back and, and exposure to, to strains after that don't update their immunity as it should. That is, and those, those are two of the biggest, there's many, many other reasons, but those are two of the biggest reasons you should, we should never have done that. This, this, this isn't news. Original antigenic sin. This is something you know. It's called imprinting as well. This is something that's been known for you know many decades. And 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 the fact that um, you shouldn't you shouldn't be prescribing vaccines that haven't been tested for four or five years, standard practice and known for a very 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 long time. It's not, none of this none of this was new. And and to, to have proceeded like this and to have lied to people about uh, transmission and preventing transmission and infection like Matt I did. This is, when you say, when you say it, this is the biggest crime since uh, the Holocaust, there's no doubt about it. This may become, this may actually become a bigger crime than the Holocaust. How many people died in the Holocaust? Is, what was it in total maybe due to the Holocaust? Maybe around 20 million? 
something like that. Like yeah, six, so. six, six million in Poland, but right. half, of them, half of them Jews, half of them Catholics. Um, that was a big part of it. Right. Um, and then and that 20 million always can, contains a whole bunch of, uh, of um, you know, tangential deaths, you know, not direct deaths. Right. Um, but, you know, we, we have it, it, over a year ago, and I don't know what the numbers are, but this is a number I've mentioned previously, um, a half a million children. Um, have died as a result of of, our, um, of the cost due to locking down um, the West, and the half a million children around the world. I'm sure that number is 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 way above a million now. And these are children, young children, very young children. The lives years lost there. Uh, yeah, we, we're we're going to quickly, very quickly, and, and looking at the excess deaths, um, especially in Western countries. It's soaring. I mean, we're seeing rates of twenty of excess deaths rising about twenty percent of their average. That's right. And 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 so it's going to take, you know, ten years. Yeah, yep. we're going to be dwarfing. Right. We're going to be dwarfing the cost of the Holocaust. Because right. So, yeah, was the done with these, the Holocaust was over a very a few yeah. years, a short period of time, and then once it was over, it was over. This, like you say, can go on. This could be a decades-long Holocaust. The, as more and more people die from this, as we see the effects of these, as we see the, the negative effects this has had on society, and we can add it up from many different directions. We can end up with medical, we can end up with educational, we can end up with societal, economic, everything that can cause harm and death to people. I mean, I think the numbers are just going to be through the, unfortunately, the numbers are going to be beyond comprehension. But what I also want to talk about is this, you know, studies come out from this new booster number, whatever it is, six or seven, I, I lose track. That show that it's only good. Even this one is so weak; it's only good for maybe a couple of months, right? And 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 Fauci's response to that, what I saw, was, "Oh, that's great. That's good news. You know why that's great news? Fauci loves it. That's great news. Fauci would never want any one vaccine that lasts forever because that means big pharma can't come up with more booster number eight, booster number nine, booster number ten. That's what Fauci wants. He wants people getting these things every two or three months." He loves it if they only last two or three months. That's great news to him and his friends at Big Pharma because they can always come up with the next booster that people will get that they'll make billions on. And now we see the CDC discovering, oh, a new variant. And let me guess, that new variant, there'll be a new booster, right, that takes care of that new variant. This is all fabricated, made up now for Big Pharma to continue to be making billions and billions and billions of dollars. And the question is, when does it end? I said it ends when Ron DeSantis becomes president. And he says, that's it. We're not allowing production of any more vaccines. The government is not assisting in the production of any more vaccines. We're not we're not getting the vaccines out there anymore. We're ending it now. Enough is enough. I, I think until then, it, it'll just keep going. I mean, but that's what, two more years, right? At least two more years. So how many more booster shots will there be between now and January of 2025? Three, four, five? I mean, the money... Big Pharma has now seen this is a cash cow, and they're going to milk it for all they can. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not going to be that big of a cash cow from them now. They, they, they've, um, they, they've, um, they've, they've, they've milked this for about as much as they can. Only thirty-three percent of the population has had has had a boost. Yeah, but they're a government. They're, the government's buying it from them, though, right? I mean, the government's buying uh, these vaccines. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and at some at some point, um, people are going to say, you know, stop. It's going to be just like in two thousand and nine with swine flu, and 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 the government is just going to say, stop. We can't do this anymore. 
and, yeah, and, and it's all going to be, you know, it's, it's, it, they're not going to be doing it out of the goodness of their heart. They're not going to be doing it because they, um, they saw the science finally. Um, they're going to be doing it because of public pressure. And, um, and it's going to all be disgusting, but they will eventually do it. But the thing that that the um, that son of a bitch Fauci isn't telling everybody when he says, you know, when he repeats these numbers like two months of protection, is that two that 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 is two months of protection for a for a strain that is known to be presently circulating. By the time people got boosted, got the, that get these boosters, the the tests that were relevant. I mean, they do these tests. It takes a few months. They do right. the test, and by that time, the the, the strain has changed. So, right. so we moved on, and and by and by that time, we're already into negative vaccine efficacy. Yeah. So 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 the the son of a bitch is basically pushing vaccines on people that are going to have negative effects efficacy really quickly. Absolutely. Yeah. Very quickly. Yeah. Of course. You know, it, it it's. Like I say, every day now we're learning more and more about these, and the can't the talk can't be anymore. And we've discussed this before. The talk can't be before that they don't work, that they don't stop the spread. That's old news. That's real news, but it's old news by now. They they don't stop the spread of anything. People who get these vaccines get COVID millions of times, and over it doesn't matter. But we what we really need to talk about now is how they are hurting people. It's one thing, like I've said, for a vaccine just to not do anything you know, to be like a saline solution. But a saline solution injected into you is not going to cause you to have a heart attack. It's not going to cause you to have myocarditis. It's not going to cause you to get cancer. It's not going to cause your immune system to stop working so you get other things like RSV. That's not, that's, that's what we have to concentrate on now is the real negative effect of these vaccines. The Just negative like, effect? There's a possibility I've heard from doctors that about 50% of Big Ten athletes could have myocarditis now according to scans, according to their heart scans and, and, yeah. and, and tests that have been done. Now, it doesn't mean 50% of all, it doesn't mean they're all going to die, but it all puts them at greater risk for some kind of cardiac event. Yeah, and, and, and I had asked um, for, for, for the um, for, for the physician, physician that tweeted some of that information, it was came from an interview, I asked for a, uh, whether there was a um, study published on that, and they haven't gotten back to me on that yet, so... Take it with a grain of salt. Um, well, I think Robert Malone was talking about it, though, wasn't he? Yeah, take it with a grain of salt is all I'm saying at this point. Is, um, and it, it could be totally, absolutely true. Um, that there, could be, be there could be clinically detectable uh, myocarditis and pericarditis on uh, MRI scans. That, that's, that, that's possible. But at this point, I just haven't seen the evidence. So I'm not going to be talking about that much. Um, what... What I think we have to really be focusing on, as well as the, the negative effect, is just how to stop this shit. And there was a Aaron yeah, Terrieri gave Aaron Terrieri, um, gave a really um, nice uh, uh, interview. I'm trying to remember who who interviewed him. Um, but it was it was this this last week, and doc, this is Dr. Terrieri, who formerly worked at uh, Irvine, was a, a uh, psychiatrist yes. there and um, taught medical ethics there. And uh, Aaron. Um, this this great interview was talking about as well as all the you know as well it was his saga at Irvine and what else has happened with respect to, to forced vaccinations. He talked about some really important things about what we do and where we go from here. 
And something that really, really struck me is um, that we need to get rid of, we need to eliminate this law that was changed in the late 80s, I think it was. Um, but previously, uh, um, you were not allowed to uh, um, market, advertise drugs on television, in print, in newspapers, et cetera. No but we're seeing, that, we're seeing it all over the place, though, now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. There, there's no, no, nobody, um, you know, less than um, 40 years old has ever been, ever not lived in a world, uh, has, and has never lived in a world in which they weren't inundated with um, drug advertisements. Um, we, we have to we have to go back to, to the days when you can't do this. And the reason that we have to go back and, and do this is that that just creates there it creates a um, a connection between um, the media and the and, and and the pharmaceutical companies that is corrupting. And you know there, there was a um, a great book I can remember wish I can remember what, um, the title, but it was it explained. Um, kind of um, the, the nexus between the advertising world and, and, and the media. And the reason I read it was, and it was around 2003, was because of the way we were being manipulated into the invasion of Iraq. And there's something really interesting I learned during that period. And that was that you, you commonly see on Sunday shows this um, Archer Daniel Midland or something, some yeah, weird. Right, right. You know, and you're thinking, what? Why are these people advertising every every week? Why are they spending these this billions of dollars over you know, over tens and twenties of years to, to you know keep on advertising um, it? We don't even know what they're selling, and the reason is is because they put these advertisements on. It's not to sell anything. It's so that they can go to the media and sit and because they now have a voice. If if they are talking to the sales department. They now have a connection with it, with the media, and they, then they go to the media and, and they just say, "Well, I really like this article that you wrote, and I didn't like this article that you wrote, or right. I like this interview that you had, or I like this new show, that, and I didn't like this one." And they just let it be known what they do and don't like that is being yeah. But it buys, of course, it buys them. In, it buys them influence. Yeah, yeah, of course, it does. Yeah, yeah. And, and this is and this this corrupts our media. Ghastly, and and so you see our media. I mean, Maddow was a perfect, perfect example. You talked about how Fox News was one of the best places to go um, because they weren't pushing the nonsense. They weren't standing up to it, but at least they weren't pushing the nonsense. They weren't pushing the disinformation, like uh, ABC and NBC and Washington Post and New York Times were. This the reason that they were pushing all this nonsense is because they were they're totally captured by the pharmaceutical industry just yeah. like regulatory agencies were and it's just like research in general and academia has been captured by industry this is this has to stop this melding between our media and and vested interests like like pharmaceutical companies and it's not just pharmaceutical companies there's all kinds of businesses that are corrupting our media and 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 the corruption corruption in our academia because of all various industries that I mean there's been lots of rules that have changed in in, in various states with respect to, to their state um, academic institutions where they can interact with industry now in ways that you couldn't 20 years ago in ways that you couldn't 30 years ago 40 years and it keeps in, there's been this creep of industry into academia that is just disgusting now. 
and it, and you know, it is stuff. This has to stop. We have to separate those institutions that deliver the most fundamental knowledge that we need as a society. We have to separate that from the vested interests that that really care about nothing more than their bottom line. And yep. maybe that's all they should care about is their bottom line. But we have to separate the truth and facts from that bottom line. That is one of the missions our government should have had all along. Ostensibly, that is what it has had all along. But it's been corrupted. We need to go back and not just go backwards to what way things were 20, 30 years ago. We need to go, we need to improve it far beyond that. And we need to uh, um, steal up this this wall. We need to, can't, can't, can no longer be a, a hedge. It's got to be a steel wall between our academic institutions, our research institutions, and vested interest. I agree. Can't go on. I agree. We can't, it can't go on. Right. So and he already gives a bunch in, in that interview. Gives a bunch of good, solid um, uh, um, suggestions about what to do from here, which is why I really like that interview. Excellent. Daniel, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thanks. Thanks, thanks of course. Okay. Uh, let's see. Here we are. Hey. Hey, Mike. How are you doing? All right, pretty good. I definitely want to echo everything that Daniel's saying, although I come at it from a different angle in a different sphere. Um, these last nearly three years have been a very stark education in all of this stuff from a, a lay, yeah, a, a non, a non science scientific perspective. But, um, one of the things I'd ask is, do you know that the article that you were talking about with the, that was dissecting the, the recent Fauci thing? Do you have a link to that? Cause I just wanted to, to, to well, I'm, was, I'm just, you know, I was going through my Twitter feed and I'm just reading different people. If you go on Twitter. Yeah. You go on Jay Bhattacharya's feed. Dr. Okay, G- cool. He has he has it all on there. Okay, cool. He, right. he has it all. He has it all listed in links. Here, here's something. Yeah, yeah. Here's no he leaves leaves nothing on the table. Yeah, he, there's more. If you go on Jay Bhattacharya's link, he links to a lot of that stuff. So, okay, cool. I'll have a, I'll have a look there. Yeah. Right. One of the things I'd say in, to back up sort of and, and relate to what Daniel was just finishing on is that one of the things I had the privilege of doing was sitting in on a two-hour expert debate um, with a guy called David Healy, a psychiatrist, and also uh, Dr. David Weissman, mm-hmm. who um, has been who's been involved in... Uh, Healy has been flagging clinical trial fraud for decades and big pharma um, reasoning behind that, you know, the whole shift to uh, back... Uh, and push medicines into psychiatry has been a right. key um, growth market. Wiseman's done something very similar from different from a different uh, medical perspective. But one of the what they both say is this: we, as general uh, general society, and actually even at the institutional level, have no true understanding of the degree of clinical fraud that is being taking place inside the peer, the scientific peer review process. And one of the key mechanisms of what they describe is this. If a company sponsors scientific research, it owns the primary data. And it's therefore up to it whether it releases that primary data for anyone else to review. And so when somebody submits an article for publication into a peer reviewed journal, 
one cannot assume it's actually been peer reviewed because if the company does not release the full data set, no one is capable of peer reviewing it and it may present only limited data or none at all. And it may be up to the discernment of the journal to just go with that and say and publish it. And because no one knows this, no one can really hold the system to account. And it's not in any scientists real um, interests to fight the journals on this, because if you fight any journal, they will not publish you. And if you cannot get published, you're screwed career wise. And then you're ultimately ending up blacklisted and out right. of an academic job. Right. We don't right. understand this, but that's a fundamental control mechanism of scientists and academics. And um, one other thing that Wiseman pointed out, and this is this is enshrined now on video, is when Paxlovid, the Pfizer pill, was being pushed through at the FDA level, F Wiseman took the time to break down the entire video FDA analysis of, of, of that approval process and ripped it to pieces and showed how Paxlovid doesn't work, how it's actually got negative efficacy and the trial population size was so small as to be completely irrelevant. And they were just a few of the things he said, right? It's all on YouTube. You can, you can watch it. And, um, this is the state of affairs that we're in that nobody realizes. Now I've just literally come out of this big debate with another group, a calling group called the Pangburn hangout, which is a bunch of people who were smart enough, decent lads, and they were having a philosophical debate and it ended up descending into COVID. And I got in there and eventually trying to stick up for somebody and it went on forever. And I was trying to present them all sorts of stuff, like including referencing emails, the DARPA documentation, um, the published scientific research of all kinds, right? And it was all bouncing off them like you would expect. They've all not got very much knowledge. They're completely locked into the standard narrative and, and also really um, triggered or prone to believing that anyone who goes against this is in the conspiracy camp, irrational... Right lizard people kind of thing. And yeah, I'm yeah. saying that's not, you know, and I, you, can, you can barely beat that. And I, I was saying to them, guys, I, I'm not here to convince you, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, but they just didn't, they, 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 they couldn't move, really. It was bizarre. Uh, well, it's called brainwashing. I mean, it's mm. brainwashing. Just, it's the same thing, like I said, what a cult does to people. Try to break into a cult and say, that cult leader's crazy. He doesn't have your best interest in mind. They get at it. They'll kill you, you know? Mm. So that's, that's the same thing. I mean, it's, it's, so what, what do you do in a cult? What do you do when people come out of a cult? You have to deprogram them, right? Deprogramming. But they got to be willing to be deprogrammed. If people are willing to be deprogrammed, that deprogramming shows to be very effective. But the problem is people have to be willing to be deprogrammed. And I don't think we're there yet. I don't think we're there yet for most people. They're, they're just very comfortable inside this cult. They really are. They're very comfortable inside this cult and their leaders, whether they be Fauci or Biden or Trudeau or Newsom or whoever it may be, they believe in those people. And that's it right now. And, and I think, like you say, when you try to, at the beginning of this thing, for a good year, year and a half, I tried to. And I found myself screaming. I found myself getting very angry. In other words, why can't you fucking get it? That kind of a thing. Mm. Then I realized, why bother anymore? They're just going to shoot, you know, you know, not literally, but figuratively kill me. They don't want to hear this stuff. Yeah. They don't want to hear it. They want it their way. They want to believe what they believe. And some, some of them will come out of the cult over the coming months and years. Some never will. Some will die in the cult. That's the way it goes. But I think we have to sort of be able to live with that now. You know what I mean?
Yeah, but also one of the things I said to try to use as an example for these guys that they didn't quite sort of want to hear was I was I was saying to them, look, there's there's a huge part of what's going on here. That, that what they wanted from me was um, what's your unifying theory? What is it you think's going on? How you know they wanted me to reveal some kind of nefarious plan, which another guy in the group did, and I wasn't a. I don't have one. Um, in any degree of certainty, I'm not that stupid. And also, not, I certainly wouldn't go and start blabbing off some kind of unifying theory anyway. But I said, um, one of the things you have to take into account is that in this very big picture, there's a large amount of political opportunism, which which isn't isn't necessarily like a part of the coordinated nefarious plan. And I gave him an example, which is the PPE. So I said, it was obvious that as soon as PPE was required, in the populace and also at medical level, right? And that was that was an unusually large amount, you know, mm -hmm. at the beginning. You could guarantee that anyone with a company, right, who was a bit savvy and had connection to China was probably going to be setting up PPE importing to try to get loads of government money. Sure enough, right. in the UK, there must have been tens of them at least that never went anywhere near PPE all became importer exporters, all turned out to be close to governments. They were basically nepotistically set up. Right. And they were charging hundreds of millions of pounds Jeez. for shit gear that, that, that a lot of it didn't work anyway. And a lot of it was quite low quality. And you knew that was going to happen. But the problem was that because they were private companies, you couldn't invest in them and track them. Right. And I was thinking, well, if, if any of them, you know, you, you can trade is what I was saying. You can trade on political opportunism and you can trade on the mass psychological movements of, her, of the herd, right? And that's, that, that, that if, if anything, COVID shows that if you're not totally done and you read the news enough and you realise when the next panic is, the smartest thing individuals can do to protect themselves from the future is trade those moves because you can, it's, it's, it's totally possible. And you, and you can make loads of money doing it and not even be a sophisticated trader. That's how the madness of herds, the madness of crowds is so, so reliable. It's a strange phenomenon. And, and you're right, we are not past this yet. You can tell, you, you can just smell it. But there's only one metric that's, that's um, uh, partly encouraging, and it's the number of booster take-ups and the number of infantile vaccinations, and they are both pretty low. So hopefully... The infantile vaccine has been low and they've gotten lower. Now, the reason for that is very interesting. People are willing to gamble with their own lives, but not with their child's lives. Yeah. But because people see it's a gamble, they seem to really get it. You see, if, if they if they bought into this hook, line and sinker, they would they would all get their children vaccinated. But even though there might be a little bit of doubt in their head, that's enough for them not to not to infect their children or, or do something to, that might affect their children now or years from now. Right. Mm hmm. So that's that's very big. That's very, it's very important to understand that. And yes, we do see this. We, we even saw this in Israel. We saw this in other countries that had boosters before we did. With each with each, with each successive booster, the intake went down 20, 30 percent. Because after a while, people are just get tired of doing it, right? That's it. I mean, there are people who are tired of getting a flu shot once a year, let alone if that was every other month, right? People just aren't going to do it. You know, they're just not going to do it after a while. So... Um, that's a good thing. So yeah, there will be a natural, you know, I guess, uh, decline of, you know, people getting the percentage of people getting the, the, the boosters. Um, the, the only problem is, is that we need to stop the propaganda 
and the government propaganda continues. You know, mm. like I said, they're going to squeeze every red cent they can out of it. Big pharma. I'm still you know, here in California, San Francisco. I'm still seeing ads for, for vaccines. Yeah. I'm still seeing ads that say th- that make it look like these vaccines are a real thing and that they work. You know, and that's in the your in your peer group or friends and family and stuff. Are people still considering like the, these whatever bivalent boosters and also the possible combined flu and covid shots and things like this are they still looking at are they still considering taking them i don't talk to my i don't talk to people about this stuff right i talk to you guys about it i, I don't i don't <laughs> i don't talk to my friends my friends yeah. no my, my, most of my friends i hang out with now are people like daniel who, who, who mm-hmm. never, never got the first one they're not gonna get the 10th one you know <laughs> so but i think as far as people in my family my general sense is that the older people are getting everything the older, the older ones, you know, 75, 80, they're getting it all there. But, you know, older people are generally more trusting of the government anyway. You know, that that's a problem in its own right, especially when it comes to something like this. So, yeah. it's, it's just you know, old people are just more likely to go along to get along at that point in their lives. Um, yeah. and, not, and not really care about side effects, certainly not long-term side effects, right? You know, so, so that's the problem. So, yeah, those people are the ones who I think are most likely to get to keep a, to keep getting these things as they come along. Yeah. yeah. What do you, do you actually? I mean, how do you feel about the chances of a of a semi meaningful prosecution of Fauci? Because I I don't know what to expect. I I have very low expectations of it. Do you actually feel that there's going to be any kind of meaningful prosecution rather than just a kind of a, a lessons learned apology and move on sidelining? No, I don't think there'll be any kind of prosecution. No, I don't. I don't think people like Fauci get prosecuted. Yeah, I don't either. I don't they just don't. I mean, people like Fauci don't get prosecuted. People like it doesn't matter if, if you're a Biden or a Trump, whether you do things, even if a Biden or a Trump did things really, really illegal things, they don't get prosecuted. You know, so it, it doesn't matter. I mean, those people are never going to get prosecuted. It's not going to happen. Yeah, this, see, and this is one of the things that I've found self deluding. On the side of the people, who oh, Hunter skeptical. Biden might. Hunter Biden might get prosecuted oh, for something small. Have, right? Have, did you look at the six hundred and forty-four page report at all? Uh, just a little bit of it. You, you funny. You said look at that six hundred and forty-four yeah. page. It's like I these politicians don't read six hundred page bills. I'm going to read this thing. But no. Yeah. So I, yeah. Just for the listeners, right? Uh, yeah. I can shove a link in it uh, into it into it for it. But MarcoPoloUSA.org is the site, and it's that. It's that slightly Republican-funded uh, research group that have been looking into this. And there's obviously, there's a lot of sections in it. One of them is sexual stuff, hookers, and, and tra- human trafficking. And basically, it just outlines tons and tons and tons of records of his encounters soliciting and hooking up with hookers via their pimps as well. So it uses his, his, his emails, his phone, and his... V- actual he's videoed and filmed himself and photographed himself in loads of compromise right um and his his transactions are you know in the multiple thousands to tens of thousands per person right for per i mean encounters were incredibly expensive right and and obviously on top of that there's all this drug stuff now that's just one section and then there's the whole burisma thing there's business stuff it's it's rich it's incredibly rich it's well worth looking at because you'll just see what you will see is this unbridled window into the degree of corruption of one man who is now the president's son. And you're thinking, fucking hell, 
he can't be an isolated case. This this cannot be one guy. This is like a, an indication of their culture at, at, the, at the levels of entitlement and empowerment. Yeah, I think what will happen with Hunter Biden, I mean, now, once again, the Republicans are going to might change things come January. But my general feeling is that he might get indicted on something. You know, what do you call it? You call it the uh, the Capone thing, you know, mm. where it's something on very, very minor compared to what they really want to get him on. Or what, he should, what they should get him on. Yeah. You know, Tax but, being the obvious thing. Yeah. But I don't think there'll be any link to. I don't think there'll be. A, not that there isn't a link to Biden, but I don't think they'll make a link to Biden. Now, the Republicans can change that because the Republicans will hold hearings come January. Uh, th- there is a possibility that with the Republicans holding hearings. But I think even with that, you're only going to get what the Democrats got with Trump is, is an impeachment. They'll impeach Biden. But the, the same thing will happen. The Senate won't convict him. So this is this is what we're going to this is the cycle we're going to be in, basically, for who knows how many presidents where every time every time the Democrats control the House and there's a Republican president, they'll be impeached. And any time the Republicans hold the House and there's a Democratic president, they'll be impeached. And that'll go on and on for the rest of time. I mean, yeah. it's ridiculous after a while because we know that a president will never be impeached because they'll never get 67 votes in the Senate. Yeah. The, you know, as, as split as the Senate is these days, 50-50, 51-49, they're never going to get to 67 to impeach a president. It's too political. So uh, to, to, to convict the president, you know, so, you know, it, it's, it's kind of a stupid game. It's more like, what is it like a slap on the wrists, you know, but yeah. It, how, how much, how much does, how much do Trump's two slaps on the wrist, you know, hurt him? How much is it stopping him? Not at all. He's running for president again. Right. Yeah. You know? So it, it's, it's a silly thing. I don't think anyone takes impeachment seriously anymore because it's so damn political. I mean, the only thing that really would matter is a conviction. And that's, that's not going to happen. It's just mm. that they'll never set a precedent where they're going to convict someone as high up as the president or someone like Fauci even, right? They're just not going to do that. And, but they should. Like I've said, the only thing that will stop this from happening again in the future is if people see these, these folks were put in jail. You know, not, not, that they were, not that they were, you know, had to, had to testify in front of Congress for a couple of hours. That's not yeah. from doing these people, like Fauci said, he's used to it. He loves it. He adores it. He's used to it. He's done his whole career, you well, know. So it, it doesn't matter that 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 kind of stuff isn't going to stop this from happening again. Mm-hmm. But put him also, behind bars, and that'll stop it. But also, the public's expectation of um, behavioral standards in public office and the likelihood of any meaningful consequence is so low, deliberately positioned into the floor over decades that we will settle for nothing happening. And then we'll all just wander around griping about it, going, oh, it's all fucking shit. It's like, yeah, it's shit because we allow it. We tolerate it, you know, and we're part of the problem. Right. Yeah. I I don't know. We all do our part, right? Hmm. Yeah. We all all do our part. But, you know, I, I I think, like I said, I think we're seeing a few things that are positive signs. One is the Republicans taking over Congress and having these hearings. Elon Musk taking over Twitter and stopping this one-sidedness when it comes to, you know, censorship and, you know, of, of the left censoring everything the right does and all that stuff, you know, and censoring dissent on, on election, dissentering, uh, censoring dissent on COVID, censoring dissent on vaccines and all that stuff. I think that is now that we're seeing progress on that. We're seeing people fighting back. You know, on that kind of on, on that kind of stuff, you know, and in fact, I think we'll talk about this next week. But Elon Musk is, is going to do 
on Monday a general amnesty for everyone who's been uh, knocked off of Twitter as long as they weren't doing things that were like spamming or talking violence. So a lot of people who had their accounts suspended are going to, you know, uh, like Dr. Peter McCullough, an actual doctor, one of the top leading cardiologists in the country, if not the world, had his account suspended. Ridiculous. So we're going to see this great general amnesty happen, which I think is a great idea. And what's really telling is how the left is going apoplectic over this, right? The left is going apoplectic over, over real doctors being allowed on Twitter again, real people real experts being allowed on Twitter again because they don't push the left narrative. Mm-hmm. They don't push the democratic narrative. And that's, it, it's really just telling. It's really, right now we have, we do have one party who's against free speech now. Okay. Right now we have one party who's pro free speech and one party who's against free speech. And it's very clear which is which right now. Yeah. And also though, the Dems have to try to keep on the, suppression line because it's kind of like ripping off you know the lid off a can of worms now because they've gone so far they've censored so much and withheld and suppressed so much stuff in covid that to have that now released through all these people come back to twitter and start blathering on twitter the void is so big now with how much stuff has moved on how much evidence there is out there it's almost like it's going to be a big shock a punch to the face to all the people who've gone along with the narrative, which is the problem I was encountering tonight, which was these guys that I was talking to were so far removed from my position because I've been keeping up with it and they just followed the narrative that it's even worse for them now to sort of hear me saying, well, there's this evidence, there's this evidence, there's this evidence, there's this evidence. And they're going, what? No, it's 95% efficacious. It's like, no, it's not. <laughs> Who believes? Someone really believes that still? Come on. They do. Come on. Yeah. Idiotic. I'm not joking. They yeah. do. So it's 95, look, so it's 95, once again, preaching to the choir, no. So it's 95% efficacious, yet we're hearing, we know people like, like Biden and Fauci who have gotten it several times. We know people like, 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 like Obama, like every, so every public person has gotten it like two or three times. How is it 95% efficacious? Exactly. But also one of the things that these guys came up with, there was a Canadian who was talking about this as well. He was saying one of them was uh, one of them was saying that um, okay, uh, the reason why oh yeah they they mentioned that it was it was a pan- pandemic of the unvaccinated. I went no UK health health HSA data doesn't show that. It's showing that people who are vaccinated can get it three four times. And they said yeah, but you know why that is? I said why? Well, because there are more vaccinated people out there, so they're more likely to get reinfected. I said no. Because the rate per capita rate takes account of the size of the population no, of unvaccinated and vaccinated. That's how bad they were with the with the data. No, no, but they, right? just, they just contradict themselves. They said it's ninety five percent efficacious. Exactly. Ninety five percent efficacious. How all these vaccinated people continuing to get it and die from it? I don't understand. Yeah. So, they, so they're still juggling all these aspects of the narrative, which don't fucking add up, right? And no, when you start to bring this in, then they kind of like become more and more defensive. Yeah, and it's no, really no. frustrating. But, know, but, but, but there have been studies. I mean, that 95% number was the number they gave out in January of 2021. Exactly. False. There, there have been studies since then that had put the number more like a 10, 12. If yeah, that but even, even the number, I explained to the guys how that 95% efficacy number was calculated, which was using relative risk reduction ratio on just 170 people right. in the... Yeah. Hey, who would have thunk that might not work out so well when you test <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah, and, and they wouldn't believe me. 
They wouldn't believe me, right? I said, no, it's here. This is, I gave them a link to the Canadian COVID care Alliance's breakdown of the Pfizer stuff. And I said, and this is, this is primary material. And they, if they, they just poll, if I did, if if I all of a sudden became a pollster, a political pollster, and put out the Michael Joplin poll, and I said yeah. I pulled 170 people, no news agency would run that. Of course, they say, "What are you talking? 170 people? Yeah, you got to do ten times that, at least twenty times that. No, no, 170 people. That'd be good enough to know who's where where things stand. Come on, it's so it's exactly. so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. It's it's absolutely insane." Yeah. Iggy, thanks for the call. I appreciate. No worries, mate. Pleasure. And thank, you know, keep up the good fight, but don't bang your head against the wall. They're not worth it. They're not worth it. <laughs> yeah, Trust me. I know. Okay. You're right. Cheers, thanks. mate. All right, cheers. Uh, I just want to preview a little bit of what's coming up on Monday. I want to preview what's coming up. Uh, by the yeah, this is a big story. I think. I think we should talk more about it. Biden. This is from the Daily Mail, great news site, Daily Mail, the UK. Biden ordered Trudeau. Those words, just those two words, Biden orders, hilarious. Imagine what a loser Trudeau is to listen to Joe Biden. Biden ordered Trudeau to end the Freedom Convoy. Remember the Freedom Convoy? Over fears the U.S. car plants would close within hours before the Canadian PM invoked emergency powers to quash it. President Biden demanded Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau stop the Freedom Convoy that protested at the border against vaccine mandates. Trudeau was set to testify uh, when was this written? Did he testify today? This was written today, wasn't it? Anyway, he's, he's set to testify regarding his decision to clear out the convoy as part of a Canadian government investigation. The trucker protest grew until it closed vital trade routes along the Canada-U.S. border and shut down key parts of the capital for more than three weeks. I think he testified earlier today. Canadian Prime Minister, uh, Canadian Finance Minister, Christia Freeland, previously testified that Washington was very, 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 three varies, very, very, very worried about the blockades. Remember, they thought that the truckers, Biden was worried that truckers there would inspire the truckers here to do that. The minister emailed staff on February 10, saying Washington feared all of their northeastern car plants will shut down if the convoy was not stopped in 12 hours. So they were also worried the car plans here would shut down. Trudeau, according to texts between Clow and Freeland, talked to Biden about money, people, and political media support from America. Three days after speaking with Biden on February 14, Trudeau invoked the Emergencies Act to clear out the protesters. So this is where we have, once again, this collusion. You know, they, they talked about, the left like to talk about Trump with collusion. Collusion, collusion. This is where we have this incredible collusion between social media the government, the doctors, Fauci, the NIH, the CDC, all of these different people colluding together to get the outcome they want, to stop dissent, which is, of course, the most Orwellian, authoritarian, fascist thing that's, I don't say that this happened to us in eight decades, since the Holocaust. This is absolutely incredible. So more and more every day is coming out now, you see. More and more every day is coming out now. Joe Biden was worried not only about truckers protesting here and shutting down, but car plants shutting down. People being inspired by these truckers in Canada. And the, the, the effects of these truckers in Canada, the supply chain, because of their 
protests. And that alone took two years, remember. It took two full years of oppression before this trucker thing happened. I wish it had happened earlier, but at least they finally did it. And I, once again, I believe that that was really the beginning of people accepting these mandates at will. That that was the beginning of the end. The truckers in Canada was the, was the beginning of the end of people just accepting this shit. And the mandate started to fall apart after that. And a lot of it was also, like we say now, Alberta, they've banned masking in schools in Alberta. I don't think any of this happens, if not for those, those Canadian truckers. But here we have, once again, the American president putting pressure on the Canadian prime minister to invoke this Emergencies Act. Remember what the Emergencies Act did? It took away their bank accounts, right? It froze their bank accounts. It froze bank accounts. So your bank could say you can't have your money if you continue this, if you continue democracy. Right? If you continue to show freedom, freedom of speech, freedom of expression, we're not going to give you your money. We're going to freeze your accounts. We're going to freeze your assets unless you submit to the authorities, submit to this authoritarian rule. Every day, this gets more and more disgusting. Every day. I mean, we knew this, but now we know this. You get it? And every day, we're, we're learning more and more. Learning more and more every day. All right, so we'll talk more about that on Monday and other things. And uh, I guess Monday, the world starts again for three weeks before it stops again. We have three weeks until the next holiday. So, uh, you know, it's just it's just amazing. We, we had now Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C., who's making kids who want to come back to school on Monday show a negative COVID test. Once again, as we said from day one, the liberals, the left will never let this end. And they called people like myself crazy. When I said in 2020 that they'll be doing this in 2022, 2023 and beyond, people said, oh, you're nuts. No, just give it 30 days to flatten the curve. That's all they want. That's all they want. No, no, just get your vaccine. Just get your two shots. It goes away. That's all they want. That's all they want. And when I said, no, 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 it will never end. The liberals will never let it end. They said, oh, I was crazy. Here we are going to 2023 and then making kids get cotton swabs shoved up their nose so they can go back and learn go back to school and learn in Washington, D.C., the nation's capital, which, of course, affects black kids. The left will never stop until we stop them. Okay, this has been uh, the Friday edition of And Let's Be Heard, wrapping up a a, uh, kind of a holiday week. Um, But I'll be back Monday night. I want everyone to remember this show airs Monday night through Friday night, 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. If you're over there in London, my name is Mike Chopley. Thanks for listening. And I'll be right back here Monday night. Have a great rest 